morning and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. We are so glad that you have found your way to worship with us this morning, whether you are in your living room or your kitchen or on your back porch or anywhere else. You might have found Facebook Live or Instagram Live. We're glad you're here with us. If you have any trouble with the sound or your technology, please know you can always come back later to Selwyn Avenue's website where you will find this recording, uh, this worship service recorded um, at, at your disposal. Uh, before we begin worship, just a few announcements for the good of the whole. Uh, it is with great joy and celebration that we announce the birth of our newest member, Wyatt Flynn Sharp, um, son of Alyssa and Grant Sharp, and little brother to Virginia Lee Sharp. Wyatt arrived on Friday, uh, weighing in at a whopping 9 pounds and 10 ounces. He is healthy and ready for life, and we look forward to meeting him. Uh, this Sunday, we are celebrating uh, all of our many graduates throughout Charlotte from high school and from college. We are celebrating with you and praying for you, and we look forward to the day when we can worship with you in celebration for all of the good things God has done in your life and all of the good things God will continue to do with you and through you. If you are a visitor here at Selwyn Avenue, we're especially glad you're here. Uh, visitors and new members will be convening on Zoom for orientation classes in the next few weeks. We are still trying to consider what that will look like and when, but if you would like to learn more about our congregation, which is an intergenerational community of faith, then I encourage you to join us. We will be receiving new members on June 28th. Um, email me or the church if you would like to be included in those plans. In faithfulness to God through these trying times, times, you are invited to consider your ties and your pledges to the church in the ways that have become habits for us since the beginning of COVID-19. Snail mail, emailing, or text to give at 704-734-9818. As we consider to pay attention to um, COVID-19 and the fact that it has not quite backed down from Charlotte yet, Selwyn Avenue is still considering uh, how and when we might gather both in the near future and the extended future. In the meantime, I continue to give thanks to Avi Cherry and Gay Pappen, who is back with us today in worship, along with Eric Winkenwerder and Faye, who has made her way back to the chapel this morning. Today marks the beginning of our summer worship series, The Greatest Story Ever Told, and we will be engaging and exploring 12 of the Bible's most epic tales. Be prepared for intrigue and mystery, imagination, and a whole lot of grace um, over the course of these next weeks. And now let us begin um, to worship God. Oh, 
righteous sing to him a new song play skillfully on the strings and with loud shouts for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness the Lord loves the righteous in this injustice the earth is full of steadfast love of the Lord by the word of the Lord the heavens were made and all their hosts the breath of his mouth he gathered the waters of the sea as in a bottle. He put the depths in the storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all of their deeds. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name, let our steadfast love, O Lord, be among us, even as we hope in you. Friends, the God revealed to us in the pages of scripture is a welcoming and inclusive God, one who directs us and loves us, we seek to remove all barriers that keep us from love. As we call ourselves to confession and listen to the prayer written by Jan Richardson this morning, let us take time to confess all that separates us from one another and from God. Let us pray. Not just in my heart, but in the secret space it holds, in the heart of my heart, in the place where I am myself, in the space that I protect the most and share the least, in the hidden chamber that I sometimes close off, even from myself, in the realm where you wait and watch, 
where you see each thing that lies in shadow, where you know the names of all that makes its home in me, here in my secret heart, here, teach me to move with your wisdom, to open the doors that will draw me deeper still, to live in the truth that you desire. Here, let me open the windows wide so that those who pass by will see you looking out. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Boys and girls, we're so glad to have you all worshiping online with us this morning. As I'm sure you might have heard Pastor Lori say this morning, this summer we are going to focus on some of the greatest stories ever told in the Bible. And this week we're starting, and I'd like to share a story with you all that's from the very, very start of the Bible. And this morning I'm going to be reading this story to you all from this story Bible. It's called Growing in God's Love. And this is the story. 
Long ago, God made the very first person who ever lived. God took the best, richest, darkest, thickest soil from the ground. God shaped this soil into someone who looks like you and like me. Then God breathed God's own breath into this person. The first person took the first breath ever. Then, in the same best, richest, darkest, thickest soil that God made the first person from, God planted a big farm. God planted the most beautiful fruit trees and the biggest golden fields of grain. God said to the first farmer, Be good to the rich soil I have made you from. Farm it carefully. Grow the best fields and orchards you can. All your food will come from them, and you'll need food to stay alive. But pretty soon, God thought, wait, one farmer isn't enough to do all this work alone. So from the best, richest, darkest, thickest soil, God made all the farm animals to help the farmer. God made big oxen to carry loads, sheep and goats to give wool and milk, God even made dogs and cats to keep the farmer company. God decided this was good and made all the wild animals also. But pretty soon God thought, wait, we need a family. Just one person with all these animals? That will never work. So God made another person. And then the world had two parents who could start a family and work on a farm together. So long ago, families were farmers. They grew all their food, and, but today, most of our families aren't farmers. My parents aren't farmers. But the thing is, is all the food that my family and your family eats has to be grown somewhere. Right now, my favorite food is strawberries, and I bought some recently from a farm here in North Carolina. This week, I want to ask you all to focus on food. Maybe you get to eat one of your favorite foods at lunch today. As you take a bite, what, is, what do you hear? Is it crunchy? Is it soft? Is it sweet? Is it sour? And then maybe the next time you go to the grocery store with your parents, you can look at all the food. Maybe then it's good for us to think, where does all that food come from? It's always fun to find out where your food comes from. Maybe you can ask your parents or someone at the grocery store, or maybe you and your family actually know some farmers who grow food. When we go to grocery stores and when we sit down to meals at our tables and we see beautiful food, it helps remind us of God and how lucky we are that God created the earth and created all things beautiful for us to love and take care of. Would you all pray with me? You can repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for creating animals, plants, and all people. Thank you for never leaving us alone. Thank you for making us in your image. Help us to love everyone as you love us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
as Margot mentions, we are kicking off our series of the greatest story ever told, which has to start somewhere. And so this morning, we're going to start at the beginning in Genesis. We'll be reading uh, from chapter 2 and chapter 3 selected verses, and I've asked Margot to help me out a little bit. Let's listen for the word of the Lord. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree that knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field but for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord had made. The serpent said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, you may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and the wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. And then the Lord named the consequences of his betrayal. The serpent was sentenced to a life on its belly, and the woman was sentenced to suffer pains and pains in childbirth, not to mention desiring him as the husband had dominion over her. And the man was sent out to a destiny of hard work. And then... The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living things. And the Lord God made garments of skin for the man and for his wife and clothed them. Then Yahweh drove out them both. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks. If only God had breathed into the nose of Eve first. If only Adam hadn't gone to take a nap when that snake showed up. If only Eve hadn't taken that first bite. If only God could have told Adam why the tree of knowledge was off limits instead of inferring, because I said so. If only they know then what we know now. Maybe anxiety and fear would not propel our society and shame would not drive us to isolation. Perhaps we would not be so prone to deduce the vast diversity of humanity into a hierarchical system of oppression and control. If only our actions aligned with our good intentions, if only we could honestly live with God at the center of our lives, then maybe, maybe life would not be so painful and disjointed. You see, in spite of our efforts to deduce this text to a story about sex and apples, rank and judgment, control and isolation, and most of all, guilt and shame, what we really have this morning is one of the greatest stories ever told about the intimate and mysterious relationship established between ourselves and our creative God. This is a story about power and freedom, boundaries and bounty, purpose and vocation, sin and grace. After all, what does it mean that we are created and called to live according to God's terms and not our own? Well, for one, our loving God orders our lives with a purpose of unity beyond ourselves. And the problem is, we'd much rather order and pursue life according to our own purposes. I spend $35 a year on day planners. I have three calendar apps, 
schedules for our kids, a family schedule, a master schedule, and it's safe to say that things rarely go according to my plan. But listen to God's plan. Here it is, Adam, a stream rising from the earth, every tree that is pleasant to see and to taste. You help me cultivate it and care for it, and then eat everything you need. Explore, enjoy, but do me a favor, stay away from that one tree. My garden, my rules, and trust me, it's for your own good. Here in this mythical realm of wonder and majesty, God commands a vocation, cultivating the garden, permission, you have the freedom to explore and enjoy, and a prohibition, except this one tree. Oh, and by the way, it's not good to be alone. You are designed to be known and to be seen, to belong and to be in community. You need to feel safe and whole and cherished, and so you are meant to be together. At last, at last, Adam says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I mean, what more could they want? And this is where things get a little sticky, according to Walter Brueggemann. Anyone from 2 to 92, with freedom and purpose, but with no boundaries, wreaks havoc. We certainly have all seen the toddler and the teenager and the CEO throwing a tantrum. And the one with the clear vocation and tight boundaries, but no freedom, we see that person feeling trapped and somehow diminished. And then the one with freedom and boundaries, but no purpose, we see that one going through the motions of life with, well, no real joy. So Adam, do your part. Enjoy and stay away from that tree. Ironically, it's not the tree of life that threatens death, but it's the tree of knowledge that'll kill us, metaphorically. You know what they say, knowledge is power. And well, we were created in God's image, and so of course we'd yearn to know what God knows and to see what God sees and to control what God controls. I mean, how else, how else did humans end up on the moon? How else will we find a vaccine for COVID-19? But for, for folks like us, Easter people, leaning on the promises of the resurrection, I'd argue a lifetime riddled with anxiety and fear is really a fate worse than death itself. Fear, fear of being separated, fear of letting go, fear of not having enough and of not being in control, but most of all, a fear of being vulnerable and exposed for all we cannot do or accomplish or fix or understand. We can hardly look at each other in the eyes right now for fear of being seen. You see, Adam and Eve, they were sheltered from all that anxiety. And even though it's not good for Adam to be alone, there was one moment at least where he was MIA. Maybe he was working too much, maybe he was napping, but he's certainly not with Eve in the moment with the serpent who is crafty and intelligent, almost likable really. And as it uses all of its valuable and creative gifts to analyze and objectify God, we see twisted words and misrepresented, misrepresented intent and distorted justifications. 
It is true. We are usually completely alone or with some snake when we make these sorts of decisions. And it's not that Eve is conniving or sneaky or evil. It's that she's naive and vulnerable. She has no idea that she's even exposed at all. But in that moment, her perception of right and wrong, of good and bad, of risk and consequence, is totally perverted by her own self-interest and a turning away from those she loves, especially God. And as Brueggemann points out, Eve and the serpent are no longer talking to God or with God, but instead they're talking about God. God's command is a mere suggestion. Eve's fidelity is a calculation, and God is nothing more than a barrier to circumvent. It is a breath mint, an anonymous post, a secret account. It's, I'd rather not say, I deserve this. It's no big deal. No one will notice. It's just one bite. God will understand. It's not my problem. It's not my fault. I wasn't there. It's been 4,000 years. Oh, it's been 400 years. She did it to herself. I'm not the one who took the apple. I just benefited. Why is her choice my problem? You see, all of this denial undergirds our self-righteousness. And in the name of individualism and personal freedom, Adam and Eve totally violate God's design to provide protection and freedom and purpose for all of humankind. It's not good to be alone. And so we are in this game of reconciliation and grace together. You see, there is no love of God if there is no love of neighbor. And there is certainly no love of neighbor if there is no love of God. And while the bite does not come cheaply, it is not really about the apple. It is about Adam's apathy and Eve's ambition. As Reinhold Niebuhr alludes, love is the law, but in practice it is always betrayed into self-love. And what is sin? What a sin if it is not our constant proclivity to place ourselves at the center of the universe, to get ours, to take ours. Pride keeps us estranged from God and from one another. And what is hell if it is not separation from God, even here on earth? Turn on the news. Flip over to your Facebook feed, listen to our siblings marching in the streets, consider the rhetoric in our culture and in the world, watch the way we Christians and Jews and Muslims parse our understanding of who God is and what God requires and how do we approach our lives according to our possibilities or God's impossibilities, our scarcity or God's immeasurable infinite abundance our impulsive desires and our fickle feelings, or God's steadfast love and providence, our binary understanding of what is good and what is evil or what is right or what is wrong, or God's inclusive, expansive grace. And yet, in spite of her humanity, the woman is still the protagonist. She is still called Eve the mother of all humanity. And let the record state, in spite of Eve's bad rap, 
the minx, the temptress, the ignorant woman. Eve had all the qualities of all the biblical heroes. Certainly the women of Genesis are forceful, insightful, and active drivers of God's agenda of love and justice, even if they operated beneath the surface of the patriarchy. But I'll have to say, Eve held her own with the men, too. Was she curious? Yes. Did she appreciate the gifts and beauty of God's creation? Yes. Did she push the boundaries? She did. Did she cross the line? Yes. Did she reach for something according to her own gain? Absolutely. Did she place her own wants and desires at the center of the garden? Yes, she did. Abraham did the same thing. Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers, David and Bathsheba. Did God usher God's reign through Eve anyway? Yes. And so what are we to make of this conundrum of our pride in God's grace? I mean, they heard the sound of Yahweh walking in the gardens, evening breeze. Could there be anything more comforting? And Adam says, I ate and I ate and I ate and I heard you coming and I was afraid and I was exposed. And so I hid. And right there in that moment, there is such a fine line between remorse and shame. When we deny, when we hide, this is shame. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer suggests, shame reveals a loss of something essential to who we are, our very character. And when we feel shame, we can hardly bear to look one another in the eyes. We hide our vulnerability and our weakness and our imperfection. And I wonder if we could consider the fact that for over 4,000 or 5,000 years, humanity still can't come to terms with the fact that this thing with Adam and Eve and God that's our thing too. We deny, we divide, we hide, we judge, we blame. And deep down in every marriage, in every relationship with every parent and every child, in every friendship, we all know this is true. And to put it into context, as we consider our nation, which is an, an uproar, for over 400 years here in America, those of us who identify as white have never really come to terms with the inherited collective shame associated with our privilege and racism. And I'm not suggesting that we've all directly taken a bite of the apple, but it's not about the apple. It's about our propensity as humans to avert our eyes and to deny the truth that people in America have different experiences based on the social construct of race. We divide, we hide, we judge, we blame. But shame is not helpful. Bonhoeffer suggests that remorse embodies our grief for being separated from God and reveals a powerless a powerless longing to turn back, to repent. And so today I have really good news, really good news. Adam wasn't even there when Eve grabbed the apple, but he confesses his fear and his shame for having taken his share. And so we must get used to the idea that we are all in this together and it is a, not a good idea to be divided. And as we look at the road ahead, it seems ominous with all of its conflict and pain and sweat and desire. 
And for Adam and Eve at least, and for all of us too, God did one thing. God covered them. To be clothed is to be given life and protection. You see, we call it the fall, but Adam and Eve, they don't fall from grace. They shift. Grace is not some pedestal of righteousness. And grace cannot be achieved or earned or stolen. Grace is not even a garden or a place. Grace is only a gift. It's a generous covering of all that is exposed, our sin, our weakness, our guilt, our shame. And God's grace leads to a new start and a new beginning. Adam and Eve might not have known what we know, but they knew God. And to be at one with God is to find a way to reconcile all that has been broken along the way. And so much, so much is broken. If you think about it, it seems impossible. And here's what we know that Adam and Eve didn't know. Yes, it is true there is no pain like giving birth. Yes, we work really hard on this earth. Yes, there is great suffering and brokenness. And yet we are covered by the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness found in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So no matter how far you roam from the garden, you are covered. Whatever you have done in all of your pride, you are covered. Whatever you have left undone because of all of your apathy, you are covered. For all we have not understood, for all that we have hidden and denied, as we turn back to God in humility and truth, we are covered. There's no going back to the garden, but in Christ we are a new creation, and there is nowhere you can go and nothing you can do that will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Creator God, you make all things. You made magnificent mountains and oceans, the tiny worms and bugs, and everything in between. You weave all things together in an, inter in an intricate tapestry of life. You teach us to ref respect the fragile balance of life and to care for all the gifts of your creation. Guided by your wisdom, we pray for those who have power and authority, that by the decisions they make, life may be cherished, and a good and fruitful earth may continue to show your glory and sing your praises. You have called us to tend and keep the, the garden of your creation. Give us wisdom, to take care of all the plants and animals who share this planet with us and who live lives that make our lives possible. Help us to remember that they too love the sweetness of life and join us in giving you praise. Like in the garden, we often listen to the wrong voice and turn away from your word, yet you always embrace us with your tenderness Pour out upon us the power of your love that we may protect life and beauty. 
Fill us with peace that we may live as brothers and sisters, harming no one. Help us to look to the edges, to reach out to the abandoned and forgotten of this earth, so precious in your eyes. Bring healing to our lives that we may protect the world and not prey on it, that we may sow beauty, not pollution and destruction. Touch the hearts of those who look only for gain at the expense of the poor and the earth. Teach us to discover the worth of each living thing, to be filled with awe, to recognize that we are profoundly united with every creature as we journey towards your infinite light. Help us to bring light into all the darkness of life, spreading hope for a better world, a world where justice is made real by your children living together in harmony. Help us to bring salt to the blandness of life, encouraging vitality and joy in living in a world that dares to hope for the future that you promise, where all your children will know themselves loved and valued and treasured, created in your image, bringing you glory forever. We pray all these things in the name of your Son who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, as we enter into a time of offering, let us return to God the gifts of the earth and the offerings of our lives, so that they might be used to bring abundant life to others. Our text to give instructions will be placed in the chat. Come, let us return what has been given to God. Oh, I 
God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. Help us to see your presence burning in the hearts of others. Grant that we may be united in fellowship of love and prayer. Give us the courage to pick up our own cross and respond to the needs of the world. Give us the stamina to follow you to be your hands and heart in the world. Enable us to witness your grace and mercy. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and grant you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.